Now, unless this is your first time tuning in to Monsters Among Us, you've probably already heard about microdosing and how all sorts of people, myself included, are microdosing for a creative boost, mood lift, and a greater sense of calm. Tonight's sponsor, Microdose Gummies, delivers the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD for people who want to feel great without getting high from just one microdose. Microdose Gummies help me kick back and chill out after a long day. They also help with insomnia, pain management, workout recovery, and a whole lot more. Now, other hemp products tend to focus exclusively on CBD, but microdose gummies are different. They harness the full power of cannabinoids and terpenes in perfect balance with the classic effects and benefits of THC. Now, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that I mentioned THC, but before you tense up, know that microdose gummies are legal everywhere in the United States. So if you can use some more chill vibes in your life, why not give them a try? Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. swear it's dark at 4.30 here these days. Of course, I love the dark as much as the next weirdo. But even I have my limits. Thankfully, the winter solstice is right around the corner. So relief is in sight. But you know if there's anything prolonged darkness is good for? It's sharing stories. Scary stories. And if that's what you're after, you came to the right place. This is Monsters Among Us podcast, a call-in show, covering a bevy of strange and unusual subjects. The paranormal, the supernatural, the unusual, and the unexplained. And quite the collection I have for you this evening. Tales of haunted houses, glowing anomalies, and humanoid abominations like something straight out of a Harry Potter installment. But we begin this evening with a Native American legend that is said to be so dangerous that many do not even utter the name. To kick us off this evening, we venture to the state that was itself once labeled Indian Territory 
and was the eventual landing place for many forcibly displaced tribes. The state of Oklahoma, where one of its residents saw something they probably shouldn't have. Tom, welcome to the program. Hi, this is Tom. I live in the northeast corner of Oklahoma, and I'm calling in to reference to season 15, episode 6. A man from Alabama and his daughter had uh, called in, and they thought they heard a skinwalker. And there was some conversation about skinwalkers only being tied to the four corners of Arizona, which I'm very familiar with. And I, for a long time, believed that, too. I'm part Native American, and the story I'm calling in about is with my friend. He's also Native American, and he runs a sweat lodge near Pahuska, Oklahoma. And I was a big part of that. I'm the fireman, and this is pre-COVID, so about 2019. And I was going to his house and doing sweats with him, and it was all very good, very peaceful, lots of healing going on. And... Um, one day we met at the Mexican restaurant in Bosca and he told me the story. There's a big group of us there that the night before, or the two nights before actually, he has about 40 acres behind his house and he went and <laughs> killed a deer. And uh, it was kind of a celebration and him and his coworker were there and they were cutting it up and eating it. And it was, it was real, real, a good thing. He has a big family, five kids and it was a big deal. And they're outside um, that night after they were, done with the deer a little bit and smoking a cigarette outside it was cold it was going into the winter months and he has acorn trees around his house his friend said an acorn hit him in his wallet which means his pocket his pants pocket and then they're like oh that's weird uh, you know and he just he mentioned it and it was kind of the thing and and then all of a sudden a few minutes later they're outside smoking a cigarette his dog around the side of the garage because they were outside of the the front door and the garage is around the side his dog starts growling around the side of the garage and you know his dog just you know it's a dog so it could do that but it was just kind of weird that it did that and so they kind of got spooked and they went back inside and well later on in the night they came back out you know kind of forgot about that and we're smoking a cigarette again out in the by the front door and again an acorn flew and hit his coworker. I think this time it was in his, his shirt around his waist region. Anyways, you know, after that, it was more than a coincidence. You know, it wasn't really a windy night or anything, but an acorn flew and hit him. And so the dog was out there again, and, and it was just so freaky. The dog started growling again, and... They were just like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden they heard this like gurgling sound. Like, I don't really want to recreate it, but it was just this gurgling kind of, not a roar, not a, not really a growl or anything. It was just this gurgling sound. And they ran back inside and they were just really freaked out. And that was the end of that night. So the next day, my friend goes to work. That was on a weekend. Next day, my friend goes to work and he's coming back home. And um, right on the side of his front porch, there is his dog pad. He has several dogs. Right before he went into his front door, he went down to pet his dog. And she was looking up past him. And he noticed that. 
so he looked around his shoulder and when he did there was an entity what he very descriptively told to me was half man the lower part of his body was half man and the upper part of his body was half deer the head was deer and had antlers and it was running across his yard when he looked it was running across his yard and it just completely freaked him out he ran inside and um you know the details are that um half half man lower half and the upper half half deer and a lot of the times skinwalkers are reported as that half human half animal and you know the big part of the story is that skinwalkers are part of the southwest but they can happen anywhere and we're native american and my friend is running a sweat lodge and when you're doing really good things a lot of times evil or bad things or bad people or you know skinwalkers try to come and occupy that space or try to take that over for whatever reasons so he had that happen to him and, and this is in northeast oklahoma and I never, ever would have thought he would have come to me with this story. And it was kind of out of the blue. And it really shocked me. And I, have, I haven't been back to his house since. This is a skinwalker story from the northeast corner of Oklahoma. I um, just thought I'd tell you guys that. They're not just in the southwest. That's the only thing I can make this out to be. Maybe it's not. But I'm just sharing my story. So thank you very much. Love your show, Derek. Bye. Thank you. And yes, Tom, that's generally been my train of thought here. That we really shouldn't just call anything that resembles the legend of the skinwalker an actual skinwalker. Especially if it didn't occur in the region where the skinwalker legend originated. With the Navajo Nation, from what I understand. From the Four Corners area, as Tom had mentioned. But I will say... There are many of you out there that disagree with me here. One fella even suggested that the skinwalker could have simply taken a bus and just done so in his human form, which I suppose makes as much sense as anything. So I guess I'm admitting that my opinion on the matter is drifting. But we're actually in luck here this evening. No more guessing necessary. Because a while back, possibly on that same episode Tom was referring to, I asked that members of the Navajo Nation reach out and tell us what they could about the Skinwalker legend. And even though the topic is taboo on the reservation, that didn't stop Sonny from calling in and spilling the beans on this terrifyingly intriguing entity. Hi, my name is Sonny. I really enjoy your podcast, and I have started it from the beginning. And right now, I'm on season four, episode 15. And in this episode, a gentleman talks about being on an Apache reservation, driving, and seeing somebody pacing him at 45 miles per hour, notice a person with red and white paint on their face. I don't know if anybody has responded to this or gone back to it, because again, I now I'm just like an episode past it. But that's a skinwalker. Uh, I'm from the Navajo Reservation, and that is how we see them. They're not always in shapeshift mode. You know, they have unnatural 
abilities to do certain things, and one of those is to run incredibly fast. And a lot of these witches will go ahead and paint themselves up, and sometimes it's like how that man had seen that uh, that thing. Uh, other times it's um, full face black. But my experiences and my creepy stories, not necessarily something I've experienced myself, but my my cousin, she is a trauma nurse on the reservation. And she has had experiences with somebody coming in having been hurt and the medical staff were told not to go into that room. So it was only two non-natives who went into that room to go ahead and help that person who had been brought in. And they said that he was not normal when he came in. Like there were things that were definitely off about him. But none of the Navajos or other natives uh, from different tribes would go in to go ahead and help. And later on, it's reported that those two people that helped him later on died. One of them, I believe, was was from cancer, and the other one was from a heart attack. And in our culture, there are things that happen when you mess around with uh, witches, or that's what they are to us, is just witches. There are things that can happen to you when you come around them. There are things that they do to other people, and it's just sometimes just a menacing vibe. But sometimes it's just because they do really bad things and it just emanates from them. But that's it. I just want to go ahead and let you know, as somebody from that actual tribe, that yes, we do have varying ideas and knowledge of what skinwalkers are and what they can do. I really do enjoy your show and I do wish that there was a little bit more of that cultural understanding that it's not linear, you know, what is considered a dog man in some place might be a skinwalker someplace else and what is typically skinwalker activity like in the skinwalker ranch like things that are talked about in there is not something that we would see on our side of things you know it varies from place to place just like how different sightings of i don't know bigfoot for example vary from place to place but i just want to go ahead and get that out there and that little bit of clarification anyways enjoy the show and i hope you have a great evening bye Well, we're trying to clear it all up, Sonny. So thank you for that additional info. And how terrifying that strange hospital visit. It kind of reminds me of the 1994 death of Gloria Ramirez, a Riverside, California woman who was admitted to the hospital suffering complications from late-stage cancer. While treating Ramirez, Several hospital workers fainted and others experienced symptoms such as shortness of breath and muscle spasms. Five workers in total required hospitalization, one of whom remained in intensive care for over two weeks. Now Ramirez herself died from the complications related to her cancer shortly after arriving at the hospital. And they never did find a satisfying explanation for the strange sickness. That's one of the many reasons why I do my best to avoid hospitals. Back to the skinwalker. It seems like Sunny proved me wrong here. These witches, as she called them, can be found all over. Just under different monikers. Different names. So then, that got me wondering. Is this a skinwalker encounter as well? 100% anonymous here. I'm not going to leave my name. My location is South Carolina. I'll tell you that. 
I've never spoken of this to anyone, ever. I get chills even thinking of it now, afraid that it may come back. About three years ago, I was leaving my girlfriend's house pretty late at night. I was running late to meet some friends to do other things that evening. Instead of taking the normal highway, I took a dirt road that cuts through one road to the other in my town of Camden, South Carolina. It's a place that kids go to hang out and drink and fight and do all those kind of things. But this was just getting dark, so like at the point where you have to cut your headlights on. I knew there would be nobody out there, so I could kind of haul butt through there and would be able to make my meeting with my friends on time. As I'm driving through, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, thought maybe I was tired, wasn't sure what it was, maybe a fallen tree or what have you, and just kept driving. Then I saw it again, and I slowed down a little and started paying more attention to what was on the driver's side of my truck. I seen a face, a pale face, that was way taller than my truck. I elbow height was the top of my truck and this was a 94 Ford Ranger kept driving once I seen that and I told myself I'm seeing things that this can't be real sped up a little looked over and through the woods dodging trees it was keeping pace with me okay something's wrong your mind's playing tricks on you this can't be real you're tired all of those things come into play trying to explain this sped up a little more 60 miles an hour I look over as clear as I can see I'm being looked back in my face by I don't know what else to say but a Bigfoot keeping pace with my truck then it disappeared just gone that was me trying to convince myself okay you were seeing things you were crazy Kept driving, slowed back down to 45 or 50 because that little truck would get loose on dirt. Maybe 100 yards down the road, uh, standing in front of my truck was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It had to be eight, eight and a half foot tall, 350, 400 pounds. Clear as day of Bigfoot. I, I, I don't tell people this because I feel crazy, but clear as day of Bigfoot. I slammed on brakes. By the time my truck slid to where he was standing, he was gone. My heart was pounding in my throat. I grabbed my gun out of the glove box. Didn't know what to do. Took me a moment to collect myself, put my truck back in gear, and drove off like I was in a NASCAR race, just trying to get away. I've been holding that story for years. I have never told anyone because they would think I'm crazy or I was on drugs or something, and I'm not. I've never even smoked marijuana. But I told you because I found your podcast today on accident, and I thought at least someone would listen. I've never driven down that road since, and I never will. Thank you, caller. Now it seems our caller feels this somehow relates to the Sasquatch Bigfoot phenomena but I can't help but wonder if this, too, could be another of these skinwalker encounters. The pale or perhaps painted face, and the entity also ran alongside the caller's vehicle. That's classic skinwalker behavior if we've learned anything. 
and I have at least a half a dozen other calls that also detail strange human-like figures racing alongside speeding vehicles. And believe it or not, not all of them come from the Four Corners area. So I guess that's all I have on this subject for now. But I have no doubt that we're going to hear more on an upcoming episode. But while I can't say for certain where the Skinwalker may officially roam, I can say it's now reaching far-off places via our own Zeitgeist. Thank you again, everyone, for calling in. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you think about gift-giving during the holiday season, what does it look like to you? Is it opening physical presents, donating, or spending quality time? Whichever the case, in the hustle and bustle of it all, don't forget to give yourself some love this holiday season. That could mean taking time off for a therapy session, giving yourself a rest day, or going easy on yourself during the tough or stressful moments of the season. If therapy is one of the things on your personal holiday wish list, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which makes it convenient, flexible, and affordable. And if for some reason you aren't vibing with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to that voice coming out of your sink drain. Now, this time of year, many people travel to far-off destinations to celebrate the holidays. Hawaii often tops that list. But just because a place is paradise doesn't mean it can't be haunted. Anya from Georgia, please elaborate. Hi, Derek. My name is Anya, and I have enjoyed listening to your podcast for a little over a year now, but this is my first time calling in. I grew up and was raised in Pearl City, Oahu, and when I was going to high school, my parents purchased a fixer-upper sometime around 2002 that they eventually remodeled into a completely unrecognizable home from when we first moved in. I don't know the exact details, but the house was built sometime in the 50s or 60s and still had carpeting and appliances that, at the very latest, were from the 70s. So it was a super outdated house. Their plan was to completely gut the house and add some additional square footage. When we moved in, there was one very large window in the living room that overlooked the front yard, the driveway, and the street. The way that their living room was set up, their couch sat right below the center of this large window. So if you were in the living room sitting up on the couch, one could see your head and possibly even your shoulders, depending on how tall you were, from outside through the window. But if you were laying down on the couch, you would not be seen at all. I really wish that I could recall exactly what day um, or even month or year it was that this story took place, but unfortunately, I just know that it occurred somewhere around 2003, and I was about 15 years old. My mom and I used to enjoy taking walks together around our neighborhood and just catching up and talking. We're very close. And one afternoon, we left for a walk with my dad asleep on the couch. 
We would always joke about how loud my dad snores. Sorry, dad. Um, So much so that you could hear him from outside. And as we were returning from our walk, just stepping onto the grass of our yard, we could faintly hear my dad snoring. And I looked up and it just happened that when I looked up, I noticed a figure walking from the right side of that large living room window to the left side until it passed out of view. There was no definition of the figure. It's just like a shadow of a person, but it was unmistakably eerie. I immediately snapped my head towards my mom, and she just looked at me knowingly and acknowledged that she saw it, but nothing more was said. When we entered the house just a couple moments later, my dad was still asleep on the couch. I have no siblings, and my father has no history of sleepwalking. So to this day, my mom still will not discuss it, and I have no idea what it was. I have not encountered anything similar or even otherwise unusual since. But I just really wanted to take a moment and share how much I appreciate your show. I think it's really unfortunate how taboo it is for us as people to talk about experiences like the ones that you feature on your show, because I think so many more people than we realize have experiences of their own. They just don't feel comfortable opening up and sharing about it out of fear. I know in my own family, obviously about the experience that my mom and I shared, but also my father had an encounter with a spirit of some sort on a freeway in California. And my husband experienced an unexplainable light phenomenon in rural Kentucky, but none of them really feel comfortable about talking about their experience the way that I eagerly want to, and I want to hear other people's stories. I wish more people felt open to discussion. Um, I also wanted to share that while my parents are both very religious and won't really discuss or most times even acknowledge their own encounters, or the possible existence of things that they can't explain, they've always allowed me the freedom to explore from a very young age my interest in the paranormal. Growing up, I watched films like The Mothman Prophecies and Signs more times than I can count and would rent books by the stack load from the local library on Stonehenge, Nessie, and anything else that could not be explained uh, without any judgment or restriction from my parents. And I wish that more parents could be like that. I currently live in Georgia and have been meaning to go visit the Georgia Guidestones since we first moved here three years ago, but unfortunately they are now destroyed, which has taught me the valuable lesson that when you want to do something in life, make the time for it, not excuses, because that opportunity might not always be there. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you, Anya. Now, it's never fun to see a person where you don't expect to see one, especially in your living room. And trust me, Anya, no one knows the importance of trust when it comes to sharing these first-person experiences more than I do. Even when I disagree, I do my best to stay respectful. And some folks are perfectly fine sharing their experiences. It doesn't bother them in the slightest. But others, and typically they have good stories, need to be coaxed a bit. They need to be rest assured that they won't be made out as a fool. It's a fine line to tell, but I think we manage. Now, regardless, we really appreciate everyone that does take the time to share their calls. Obviously, without you, there would be no program. Oh, and lastly, Anya, I like your advice. Act while you can, not when you think you're ready. 
because chances are you'll never be ready. And that's a paraphrase, of course. Thank you again, Anya, for the reminder and for the entry. Now, folks, this is the time when we normally remind you that we sell merchandise via our website. But we're actually closed for the holidays. The shop will reopen on the 27th of December, just in case Santa didn't bring you what you actually wanted. And a huge thanks to everyone that supported the show this year by purchasing items from our shop. Not only does it help us pay the bills, but that sort of grassroots exposure can't be beat. Also remember, if I catch you wearing some of our merch out in the wild, I will 100% make it weird for the both of us. And speaking of weird and support, we've received a lot of feedback lately about our ads. Specifically that we have them in the first place and that we have too many. Well folks, we don't have to like it, but advertisements are a fact of life. Like most podcasts, we need ads to survive. Three different human beings make their living working on this program. And that money has to come from somewhere. And I sure don't have it. So cut us some slack. Most free content is supported by selling ad space, and this program is no better. That said, a huge thanks to everyone that listens to those ads, and an even bigger thank you to all those that support our sponsors. We really appreciate you guys. Now then, enough of all that house-cleaning stuff. Let's get back to the tales. And if this next entry occurred during the holiday season... I'd half suspect a certain North Pole-dwelling elf to be responsible. But in the middle of the summer, what could it be? Stephen, welcome to tonight's program. Hey Derek, this is uh, Stephen from Arizona again. I have something I'm not, I'm not really sure what was going on here. First thing that comes to mind was Skinwalker, but I really don't know. I was leaving work. I work at a golf course in northern Arizona up here. And this, this took place in June, so it was, it was pretty late. It was about 9 o'clock or so. But there's lots of woods around us. But I just I finished up, you know, locking up all the doors and did all those fun closing tasks. And uh, I stepped outside. I heard a whistle coming from the woods. It was just kind of a three-tone, just sort of like a... And I thought, well, that is weird. And I thought, maybe it's a bird, but there isn't really a bird that sounds like that up here Plus, it was almost 9 o'clock at the time, and it was pretty much, you know, pitch black outside. So I just didn't think anything of it. I got in my truck, and when I turned the lights on, I noticed there was another vehicle on the other side of the parking lot. So I was just kind of thinking, oh, there's, you know, somebody else here at the course. They might be up at the practice area, putting or whatever. So I drove over there, and I got out, kind of looked around, and then I hear the whistling again. It was louder this time. It was much, much louder. There was nobody on the putting green. There was nobody on the driving range. There was just, there was no one there. Um, I looked at the car, looked in the car. I didn't see anybody in the vehicle. So I figured I'm just going to call my boss about it and see if he knows anything about this car. And he told me that it was someone who had too much to drink at our bar the day before, and they had left their car here and they had gotten a ride home. So now I'm like, okay, I'm definitely by myself. There's nobody else here. And there's something out there you know, whistling in the, in the trees. So I was like, I don't, I don't really feel safe here or comfortable here. So I hop in my truck and take off. 
and I'm thinking, you know, that was weird. I'm just not going to, you know, think about it. I'm not going to, not going to worry about it. But then later that night, I was asleep on the couch downstairs. Uh, it was unseasonably warm that night, as I remember. And it was just, it was too warm in my bedroom. So I slept downstairs next to the air conditioner. And I was woken up by something. It sounded like it was running. It sounded like a deer just kind of running, uh, which happens from time to time being in the woods. I, you know, they, they come through our yard all the time. So I didn't think anything of it. But it got weird when I heard the sound of hooves on the roof of the house. It wasn't my uncle or anybody upstairs. It was, this was outside. Um, it was on the roof, and it was like a like a really steady, like, clop, 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 clop. And it went from one end of the house to the other, almost like it was pacing, but kind of moving very quickly. So that kind of freaked me out. But I don't, I don't know a whole lot about what that could have been. I mean, my first thought, like I said, was Skinwalker, but I certainly could be wrong. I'm not really, you know, knowledgeable on what they are exactly and what they do. But, you know, I just thought I would call you and, and maybe see if you had any answers. You know, thanks again. I really enjoyed the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. There's that skinwalker again. But it seems too easy. This more reminds me of the El Silbon legend. Or in English, the Whistler. Standing at nearly ten feet tall, this bony, emaciated boogeyman is said to roam the countryside of South America, whistling away as he hauls his dingy sack full of human bones, the remains of his victims. Now it's said that the louder the whistle is, the further away he is. But as that tune grows faint, El Saban grows near. But there's no mention of walking on the roof or anything like that. Although, there were plenty of examples of the infamous Jersey Devil from New Jersey the Dead. Especially back in 1909. He even was said to have left a set of hoof tracks on someone's rooftop. Now I've linked to more information on each legend over in the show notes. And perhaps we'll do a deep dive on both on a future episode. But until then, big thanks, Stephen, for sharing a call. Well, we've already discussed a possible skinwalker, or maybe even Sasquatch in South Carolina. So let's circle back, this time, for an aerial anomaly in the Palmetto State. Please welcome John to the show. Hey, Derek, this is John. I'm from uh, South Carolina, uh, Rock Hill, to be exact. And my story is, it was probably about a year or so ago. I live out in the country. My dad gave me some land, so we built a house out there. And uh, we kind of built the house beside a power line that runs through a big field. It was a clear night, full moon, very bright. Like, it was super bright outside. You know, you could see everything. And I don't have a huge, my front yard kind of slopes down, going towards the power line kind of. And there's trees all around, there's trees all around us. So I get up to use the bathroom and I see like greenish light flickering from behind my curtains when I'm coming back from the bathroom. So I'm like, okay, let me check this out. So I opened up my curtains and there is green lights. I can't recall how many they were. I want to say like three or four. They were 
green light orbs. I mean, these things had to be 20 feet because they were at the top of our tree lines and they were just zooming around, like dancing around, going in between the trees, you know, coming down towards the ground, going back up. To me, it looked like the size of a golf ball. And they wasn't as bright as like an LED, but they were bright. I mean, they were, I could still see like the green hue coming off of them, like on the tree and on the ground. And of course, I seen it on my curtains. That's what got my attention in the first place. So I'm sitting there looking at it, and I try to wake my wife up at the time, and she does not get up. Like she would not get up. I don't know what it was. And so I'm just sitting there. So I stopped trying to wake her up, and I'm just sitting there looking at these lights, and I'm just like in disbelief. They're going up and down, in and out, flying around each other like just uh, sporadic movements, but they're green. So eventually I kind of just get like, I guess I just get, you know, tired of looking at them. So I go back to sleep. I've never seen anything like that. I lived down in this area where we built our house. It's behind my dad's house. I lived down there my whole life. I've never seen anything like that before or since down there. But I'm also a Catawba Indian. And my grandpa was the chief at one time for the Catawba Indian Nation. And uh, I have so many stories that, you know, about little people, lights down on the reservation that my grandpa's told that other people was told. So I can call back and tell you some of those. But, uh, yeah, that's my story. And uh, it was unreal. I can't believe, I, you know, I just went back to sleep. But I listened to another podcast called uh, Strange Familiars. And uh, I know they talk about when people have, like, sightings or whatever. They just, like, they just go back to sleep or, you know, they can't really comprehend it. But uh, love the show. Keep it up. Thanks. Oh, I agree, John. Strange Familiars is a great program. And Timothy is a friend of the show. So give him and the gang a listen. Once you've finished this episode, of course. And you know, we hear it a lot here too, John. People simply falling back to sleep after experiencing something strange. And truth be told, it's happened to me several times. Not in a paranormal sense, but if I hear an animal screeching outside my window or something crashing around downstairs, I often shoot straight up, listen intently for a moment or two, and just simply go back to sleep. I guess subconsciously I assessed the situation and felt secure enough to doze off again. And maybe that's just how humans are wired. Maybe that's why that happens. They say that we need sleep, apparently. Now, of course, it's always possible that entities from another planet, time, or dimension are responsible here. And falling back to sleep is simply some sort of screened memory that they've put in place. I also suppose it could be a little of one and a little of the other. But instead of all that, let's focus on what John actually saw that moonlit evening. The first thing to note is that the encounter took place near high-voltage power lines. Now, was there something to that? Or was that simply a coincidence? Something I'm going to have to look into in the future. Also, the color of the craft. Bright green. Now, it's not unheard of to have that color reported during a UFO sighting. But it's not all that common either. I attempted to find a breakdown of UFOs by color, but it doesn't seem like that exists anywhere. 
but I thought it would be interesting if I found something saying X percentage of UFOs are silver, X percent are red, and so on. Because I naturally wonder where green would fall into that breakdown. But you know there also may be a clue in that vibrant color. I was trying to think of known objects that would shoot green light through the sky. And lasers instantly came to mind. And you know, it wasn't that hard to connect the dots to the following via the Weather Channel. A telescope located on top of a dormant Hawaiian volcano spotted these strange laser lines in the night sky. Now, before you get too excited, let me tell you, this is not an alien invasion and you didn't just enter the matrix. While this scene only lasted for a second or less, it was certainly enough to pique the curiosity of scientists at the observatory. At first, they said it was a NASA satellite that uses lasers to measure elevation on Earth. But later on, they issued a correction, saying that NASA scientists said it wasn't their satellite. NASA says that based on the timing, a Chinese satellite overhead was most likely the source of the lasers. The satellite has a LIDAR instrument on board that likely caused the strange effect in the sky. According to the World Meteorological Organization, the satellite's downward-pointing lasers track aerosols and carbon dioxide emissions related to climate change. Now it's important to note that the images shown in this clip are of a bright green laser beam shooting vertically down to Earth. I say that because they don't actually mention that it's green in the clip, but you can clearly see it there on the screen. Go to the show notes and take a look. The point being, if this was a satellite, you have to assume that it also had the ability to pass over Rock Hill, South Carolina, and possibly even John's place beaming down that bright green glow. But I'll be the first to admit that it doesn't really match up. The beams were only captured for a split second, and they were thin beams of light, not dancing orbs as John had detailed. So be sure to take this explanation with a grain of salt. Hell, take all my explanations with a grain of salt. I wasn't there, and I don't know. These were just suggestions. But if not satellites, what could they be? A lit up kites, drones, some newfangled searchlight, or perhaps an art installment. I did find one that shot green lasers into the sky, but it was in Europe. And I even found footage of a green meteor. Links to both of those, of course, in the show notes. But if not all that, could it be an honest-to-goodness alien craft? You know, if it were, it wouldn't be the first witnessed in Rock Hill. I managed to find a pair of videos that were shot in the Rock Hill, South Carolina area that allegedly show genuine UFOs. The first is a shaky video of a silver ball. When you pause it, the hue is often a greenish tone. The other is one of the most wild UFO videos I have seen to date. And frankly, I'm surprised, hasn't had more coverage. It was released a month ago, and begins by the videographer zooming into the clouds, where we can see a fleet or swarm of round white objects at very high altitude. Then, halfway through the video, what appears to be a military jet of some sort comes ripping through the cluster of a dozen or so pale white orbs. It's pretty wild, 
And of course, I left a link in the show notes. This has been a very show notes heavy package. I apologize. If only I had a television show. Anyway, go check out all that additional information and see for yourself. There's no telling what John saw, and the possibilities are literally endless. But if it were something from out of this world, we now know that he might not be alone. Thank you again, John, for sharing the entry. Now then, on to our last few calls of the evening. And this next one is one I've been sitting on for quite a while. Not because I didn't want to share it. To the contrary, actually. But because I was looking for additional information that could help explain this case. And finally, with help from my assistant Delaney and another caller. I think it's finally time that we share. So, from the state of Kansas, please welcome Elizabeth. Hello, my name is Elizabeth. I am from Kansas. I grew up in Hope, Kansas, on a dairy farm out in the middle of nowhere, just open fields. And my friend is an avid listener of you guys, and I have no social media at all, and he has encouraged me to share this story with you guys, so here I am. I was about seven years old when this happened, and I was out on a summer's day on the dairy farm in Hope, Kansas, and we had a flagstone walkway in between our milk barn and our granary, and I would get chips of flagstone and I'd go and draw hopscotch or pictures and I'd use it as like sidewalk chalk. And I was heading out to this little walkway. My dad was talking to our neighbor on the other side of the granary. And I went to this little walkway between the milk barn and the granary. And I saw this creature and I was paralyzed. I could not move. I held my breath. I couldn't breathe. I was like just in shock. Just, I guess, maybe fear had taken over my body. I don't know. I just stood there and stared at this creature and the creature stared back at me. We just stared at each other. Neither of us moved. The creature looked as surprised to see me as I looked as surprised to see this creature. It was very short, maybe three feet tall. It was all pink. You could see all of its veins, like purple, bluish green veins all over its little body. It had no like hair or fur or anything. It was just pink, like, um, I don't know, like a skinned gremlin maybe or something. I don't know. It had like very round bug eyes. There were eyeballs. They were just kind of like bugged out like a pug's eyes or something. And they kind of had like pointy-ish bear type ears. And it was shocked to see me. I was shocked to see it. I couldn't move or breathe. I was just stared at it and it stared at me. Finally, I got the courage to just turn and run and bolt to the house, just screaming and crying tears. And I get inside the house and that whole time my dad was on the other side of the granary and he did not hear me screaming or running or anything. I get into the house. I go and tell my mom. 
and she's like, oh, it's just a figment of your imagination. Oh, it's nothing. I tell my grandma, oh, it's just a figment of your imagination. It's nothing. My dad, like, I didn't hear you scream or run or anything. And I am not one to, like, tell tales. Like, this truly happened to me. And then years and years later, I was about 18 years old, and I was back home with my parents, and the power went out. And we're all sitting around telling stories in the dark. And I tell this same story. And my dad finally comes the truth, because I guess I'm old enough. And he tells me, he goes, you know, our farmhand at the exact same time, who was 23 and I was seven, he said, our farmhand at the exact same time would describe the exact same creature to him and said that our farmhand would see the same creature when they were out feeding bucket calves and stuff. And then they would be like hanging out in the trees and around the barns. So a 23-year-old at the exact same time was seeing the exact same creature that a seven-year-old was seeing. That verified to me that it was as real as could be. So this really happened. I don't know what it was. Nobody knows what it was. And then years later, lightning struck the granary caught on fire and the milk barn and granary both burned down. So maybe it was like a different dimension I stepped into. Maybe it was an alien. We have absolutely no idea. Maybe it was a demon. Who knows? We don't know. But it really happened. Ooh, thank you, Elizabeth. Well, that's not something you see every day. A monstrous, tiny pink creature ambling across the yard. Now I do wish there was more of a description on this one. As unique as that portrayal sounds, it wasn't easy finding info on a creature of that description. But we did find something. It's another first-hand encounter detailing a very similar experience. This time, in my neck of the woods, just up the road from us here in Southern California. Caesar, please share your tale. Hey, Derek. My name is Caesar. I'm calling you from the Inland Empire. I wanted to let you know about a story that happened about six, seven months ago on my way to China Lake in Ridgecrest, California. So I was traveling around the 395, just past Kramer Junction, about 40 miles into it, when I noticed a small maybe two and a half, three feet tall, naked mole rat looking type of animal, maybe an animal, I don't know what it was. It ran from my left to the right of the car. And when I noticed it, halfway through, this thing was walking two feet. I keep thinking about it. I don't know, I, I Googled, see what it was. The closest thing I could think of is like a naked mole rat. But this thing was, you know, pretty big and running on two feet. Now, I know the government has secrets up there. But, yeah, I mean, been thinking about it ever since I've seen it. Can't stop thinking about it. Love your show, man. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Caesar. I told you the two were similar. Eerily similar, in fact. Both describe the creature as pinkish and hairless. Both describe it as three feet tall, 
although Elizabeth doesn't say it outright. I get the impression that both were bipedal as well. So it sounds like an elf or an alien. Maybe one of these little folk that people report from time to time. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. After all, Occam's razor does suggest that this is likely some known animal with a skin condition that caused it to appear hairless and pink. A raccoon or a young bear come to mind. Both animals can walk upright, and they can both be found in either Kansas or California. And Elizabeth even alluded to her creature having bear-like ears. And as we've explored in past episodes, there are skin disorders, such as mange, that could cause an animal to lose its entire coat. Now I link to the story of Eve, a California black bear that was found with mange that caused her to go completely bald. There's plenty of imagery there to contrast and compare. And I threw a hairless raccoon image or two in there as well, for good measure. Proof that animals in that condition do exist, and kind of giving you a glimpse of what they might look like. But as much as some may want this to be the truth, it doesn't sound like it is. Both descriptions painted this creature as more human-like than any bear or raccoon. I feel like either would have described it as an animal without hair, rather than some strange unknown creature. So we searched up and down for some sort of connection to these two calls. And outside of the appearance of the strange being, there didn't seem to be any, except for this one small detail. Both sightings took place less than 75 miles from an active military base. In Elizabeth's case, Hope, Kansas is just over an hour's drive from McConnell Air Force Base. And the area between Ridgecrest and China Lake in Caesar's Story, a section of road I know all too well. Well, that stretch is very close to both Edwards Air Force Base and the Naval Air Weapons Station over in China Lake. And it's also worth mentioning that there have long been rumors of Sasquatch-like creatures infiltrating subterranean tunnels beneath Edwards. One story even tells of a night guard knocked unconscious by one of these brutes. Rifle barrel bent in half. We'll touch on that story more at a later date. But despite these exciting and loose connections, the similarities fizzle out from there. But I did find a little something that might at least make Elizabeth feel a little better. Not in that this strange thing isn't still out there but in that she's not the only one that has seen it. I managed to find two other first-hand accounts from that general area of the Sunflower State. The first comes to us via the Kansas subreddit. I don't know what I saw, and I'm not claiming cryptid, but several years ago in suburban South Kansas City, I went to my backyard at twilight to see some kind of animal hurrying away from me exiting a back corner through a series of pine bushes. It was moving on two feet, was about three feet tall, and distinctly looked back at me over its shoulder and bared its teeth. I stood dumbfounded, and it repeated the same look once it cleared the line of bushes. My impression was of intelligence, and that it was watching its back trail to see if I was following. The overall impression was of a large monkey, brown humanoid, hurrying gait 
We have raccoon, and it was twice the size of the largest raccoon I've ever seen. It never dropped the four legs at any point. I distinctly remember the upper limbs being arm-like. Highlighted when it twisted its torso to look back at me over its shoulder. The thing that sticks with me sincerely was the intelligence in its glare. And then there was this report, which was submitted to the Facebook group Kansas Cryptids and Strange Critters on February 12th, 2022. I saw a two-legged something weird dash across 281 in between US 50 and Pratt. It was twilight and I'm thinking it was most likely a pheasant that looked very different in the twilight. Whether light and shadow, eyes playing tricks or whatever, it looked like Gollum ran across the road. Let me provide greater detail to provide accurate context. The time was approximately 5 to 10 minutes after sunset. I was approximately 5 miles north of Luca, heading south. It was nearly autumn, sky was mostly clear with maybe 10% or less cloud cover. Approximately 7 to 8 car lengths ahead of me I saw something that appeared pale, bipedal, and around 9 or 10 inches tall, dash across the road from the east to the west. Its head appeared to be disproportionately large. As I passed the point, I saw nothing in the west side ditch or field. I don't know. A ringneck pheasant doesn't look anything like how I imagine Gollum to look. I don't care how dark it is. Now, of course, only one of these calls mentioned the pale skin of the creature. And neither touch on the baldness. But they did describe a short, human-like biped in the eastern part of Kansas. And you know what they say. Once is an accident. Twice is a coincidence. But three times. Well, that there is a pattern. Unfortunately, this is where the data points end. At least for now. So if you have some information you'd like to contribute to this mystery, you know how to get a hold of me. Maybe with some additional info, we can get some closure for Elizabeth and Caesar. And maybe some disclosure for the rest of us. Until then, a big thanks to each of those callers for sharing their entries. I love stories like these. Especially when one of them takes place just up the road. A spooky stretch of road, I might add. Both in atmosphere and in traffic safety. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this installment. We'll return with a brand new episode next week, even though it's Christmas time. I have a collection of holiday-themed calls that I just couldn't help but share. And the following week, we'll return again with our now annual year-end episode, the Best Of 2023 special. So be sure to turn us on while you're trimming the tree or wrapping those last-minute gifts. Now, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a rate and review, wherever that sort of thing is possible. And while you're at it, give us a like and follow on social media and over at YouTube. 
And finally, tonight's score was provided by Co.eg Music, Armchair Ambiance, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, I'll catch you next week. Stay safe out there and happy holidays. Well, speaking of sketchy traffic, tonight's secret entry highlights highway hijinks of the highest order. Please welcome this anonymous caller from the state of Iowa. Hey, Derek. This is your anonymous caller from Iowa. It's 8.15 on May 17th right now. I'm driving in Iowa City. I was just on a street. I was turning left at an intersection and like there were maybe three cars ahead of me in the left turning lane. I'm sorry, I'm very flustered right now. I don't I don't know how to explain what just happened. There were like three cars in front of me in the left turn lane and they all turned ahead of me and then my green arrow turned off. It went just to the green light. So I had to wait for several cars to go past me before I could turn left. And a couple of cars turned right and I had to wait for them to turn right down the same road that I was turning onto and I don't know how I lost sight of these cars they were all right in front of me but by the time I had turned left I guess I had blinked or something because the entire road ahead of me was completely clear there were no other cars on the road it's a little rainy at the moment. Uh, it's so the the sky's a little bit dark, but the sun hasn't completely set, and you can see it kind of off into the horizon. So it's like it's light outside. I know those cars turned ahead of me. They should have been right there on the road. I don't know how to explain what happened or how I lost sight of them at all, and I'm I'm just very confused. But yeah, I wanted to let you know because that doesn't seem like something that should have happened. <laughs> Uh, once again, thank you for your podcast. I look forward to to the drops every every week. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks, caller. You know, every time I hit the road, I wish there was some cars that would simply disappear. Especially those hanging out in the fast lane. But as for the caller's story here, maybe they all turned off suddenly. Maybe they pulled a Yui and she simply missed it. Or, maybe she had an encounter with ghost cars. However you would like to explain it, we really appreciate the entry. And let that be your latest reminder to go out and get yourself a dash cam. And if anything happens, be sure to send me the footage. Now, folks, this is where we slip beneath the waves and float into the beyond. 
the Monsters Among Us after show that continues exploring the mysteries well after the main show ends. $5 a month on Patreon gets you instant access. That's patreon.com or visit our website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click that Patreon tab. Don't forget you can get ad-free for $1 and a free trial for seven whole days. Hurry and sign up so you can hear gems like Tom's out of Texas. Hey, Derek, this is Tom in San Antonio, Texas. Just finished your most recent Patreon episode with the kind of reverse doppelganger story. And you said at the end of it, you know, it kind of demystifies the doppelganger when you realize it's just someone else's mistake or their inability to recognize someone. Well, I have a little bit different take on that story. This happened in 1984. So I had just...